Hello, I'm Joss Stone. Thanks for joining me for a cup of happy. I spent the last few years singing my songs in every country in the world and been lucky enough to meet incredible people from all walks of life. What really struck me is that no matter where we are, we're all on the same mission. We're all just trying to find our version of happy. So with this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to a whole host of people to dig deeper into the what, why, and how of this emotion we call happiness. I hope that with these conversations, you discover something to help you on your own quest for happiness, possibly change your mind on a few things, and along the way, share a good old laugh with me and my guests. Hello, John. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's so lovely to speak with you. I'm very excited about our chat. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. So, look, I just need help and understanding. Clairvoyant, psychic, telepathy. What is the difference between all of these things? And what is it that you call yourself? Because I don't want to be so rude as to get it wrong. So I love your question, because I think that there's a lot of uh, misnomers when it comes to the subject matter. So there are abilities. And those abilities... Um, I call the clairs, where people can see energy, hear energy, feel energy. So seeing is the one that people are mostly familiar with, and that's called clairvoyance. And that actually translates, I believe in French, to clear seeing. Then there's clairaudience, which is clear hearing, clairsentience, which is clear feeling. And sometimes people will get referred to by said ability. Oh, that's a clairvoyant. But nobody ever calls somebody a clairsentient or a clairaudient, right? So clairvoyant is what people kind of know. You know, it's almost like conflation of terms. So it's interchangeable. Um, a psychic is somebody who has the ability to connect with energy and talk about what's happening in the current landscape of their client's life, where they're at, validate their past, and then look towards what's coming up in the future. And a medium has the ability to communicate with people who have crossed over. So every medium has to be a psychic first, using the abilities of the clairs. So every medium is a psychic, but not every psychic is a medium. So think like doctor and surgeon. Every surgeon has to be a doctor first, um, but not every doctor performs surgery. So those are pretty much the, the terms I would be known as a psychic medium. Okay, so do you think that people have the ability to have like a little bit of a clair and not a bit of another clair? Because the energy kind of, I feel like energy speaks with, certainly does with me and I think with a lot of people, but maybe they might not see it. Yeah, I, I think that depending upon your personality and your makeup, whether it be genetically or astrologically, you have certain propensities for different clairs, right? So some people are really good verbally, right? They're really good communicators. Other people are maybe not so great at the expression of their words, but they're very, very deep in their emotions and their feelings. Some people are extremely artistic and they're creative and they could visualize things. Well, if you take those personality traits and then you marry them to the esoteric, so the person who's a really strong feeling person will probably be really good empathetically at picking up energy and feeling what someone else is feeling, right? And then somebody who's a visualizer is probably going to be more clairvoyant. How about yourself? I'm predominantly clairaudient with a very close second of clairvoyant and then clairsentient comes in like later. Gosh, it's kind of wonderful, isn't it? Um, it's, a, it's a process, right? So for, for me, it's, it's always been about the exploration of how does stuff come through? And how do I perceive it? And how am I getting it? So I have an analytical mind. 
And I never just go, oh, this is great. I'm always like trying to pull it apart to try to figure out like, how did I get that? And what does that mean? Okay, so the next time I get that, you know, I'll know to say this. So it's like learning a language, right? But it's your own language. So when somebody says, you know, oh, I had a dream and I need to get a dream book to interpret it. I'm like, well, unless you wrote that dream book, I don't think you really need it because you're, you're dreaming in your own symbols. You're dreaming in your own experiences and you have to figure out what does it mean to you if you have that dream. And the same thing when you're doing a reading, you know, you could take two people who are both talented with their abilities, who understand what they do and they understand their symbols and one energy and spirit might want to come through and might come through completely differently to both people. So those energies and spirits that come through you to speak with somebody, do they choose you? Can they just be like, I must find John because I know John's going to be with my daughter. So I got to find him. In movies, yes. <laughs> on, in, in movies and TV, 100%. That's that, kind of all I've got yeah. to go on. Yeah, so. in, 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 the, in the movies and, and maybe some reality shows, I don't know. But in the real aspect of this, the people that are in spirit are with the loved ones anyway. They're tethered to them. So it's like, we're all family, whether we're in the physical body or not. And then, oh, by the way, that person who's in the, in the living form here physically is going to sit with the medium. And therefore, the person in spirit is going to go, oh, I could use this person to get my message across. So it has nothing to do with the medium. I, I'm just a phone. I tell people all the time. And I'm not the conversation. And I think what's really important is that as a professional and I counsel people that do this work all the time. I'm like, get out of the way of your experience. It's not about you. It's about the process. And just make sure you get the information across as best as you can. You're a vessel. I say that about music. Yes, we have the ability to put it through our vocal cords and kind of give somebody a, a, a feeling right. with, with music. But really, we're just a vessel for some work to be done. And, you know, some may say that that's God's work or a spirit's work or the universe's work. I don't know whose work it is, but... It's definitely, it's coming through you in a way because it doesn't feel like it's you sometimes. Right. Well, when, you are, when you're singing or you're performing and you get into like the zone of what you're doing, they talk about that. If you haven't seen the last movie that Pixar did, it's called Soul. There's a whole kind of aspect of like being in the zone. And I loved it for kids because it shows that you can be in this connected place in the universe while you're here physically on earth. So when you get into that zone and you open yourself up, there's an energy that can kind of flow through you that actually amplifies your natural ability, right? So in my case, when I allow that energy to come through me, it's amplifying who I am, my personality, my life experiences, my symbols, and then that is what I'm doing. If someone's singing, then their training kicks in and that energy comes through and adds like a level to that. It's kind of magical what your how your life is, I, I think. I'm, maybe it doesn't feel magical to you, but... When we hear about these things, we think about out of this world, things that are kind of untouchable to the layman. I have a bit of a position on it. So I'm very open to everything. And I believe wholeheartedly anything is possible. I believe that so much. And it's so funny because I was talking to Cody, my partner, the other day saying, do you know what, Cody? I really want to find a church because I love to be part of spiritual things going on and everyone coming together with good feeling but I don't have a belief really I don't have one strong belief in anything that is I suppose you can't prove it in a way or you there's no answer 
it's it's a very irritating part of myself that bothers me actually and i i wanted to talk to you about the the benefits that people get from having these experiences with you and your readings and how comforting it can be how it can help with grief i've seen that in churches and when people are dealing with a loved one leaving them they need to have these tools to deal with grief but if you really really want to believe in something because it just sounds wonderful and magical but you can't because there's so much you're being smacked around the head with data every, every day your head can't get to that place i guess that's kind of a two-seated question like what are the benefits of opening your mind and if you're struggling to open your mind what can you do so you can be more open and more i guess faithful so let's go back to the first thing you said which is that you have this energy of wanting to connect and belong and be a part of something because of the way it feels right so i like that because that that makes you a explorer and i think that when you're an explorer that seeking out of information let's leave it at that right that that seeking exploring vibe that leads to discovery and then what you do with that discovery raises your awareness and then when you have an awareness raised you can put that into action and you could literally make shifts and changes and transformations happen so that's that's one aspect but i like the questioning part of stuff right so i come from a very full disclosure catholic background i was raised very strict catholic you know my, mostly by my grandmother spent quality time with her and she took me to mass every single day until I was in first grade. So every day, not even every, every Sunday. Every, every day, day. Ooh, until I was lot. in first grade. Yeah, no, wow. there's a lot of church going early on. I grew up with this, um, and my dad was a New York City police officer, very career military, analytical, logical. I didn't just subscribe to faith and religion because it's what I was taught. So I always questioned everything. You know, when I say this publicly, I was thrown out of religious instructions three separate times because I asked questions that I should not have apparently asked. And I was deemed blasphemous or disrespectful or disruptive. My mom had to write a letter to the diocese to get me to have permission to make my, you know, my confirmation. And she was just like, would you just, just let your grandmother die in peace and make your confirmation? Just <laughs> oh, <no>. stop, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I'm not doing anything on purpose. I no, go, you're I just actually, asking. I have questions, <laughs> yeah. you know, but so I don't subscribe to the believe and have faith because I said so mentality. So I come from that place, right? So I identify with where you're coming from. And what I have found is that when I blended both of my approaches to the exploration of understanding, the benefits that I found was that I saw potential and I saw growth and I liked that feeling. And I think I've approached that in every aspect of my life. So when I, you know, as a kid growing up, a lot of family parties and, you know, dancing was a really big thing. I learned how to do like cha-cha, foxtrot, rumba, like all that stuff oh, wow. at a young age because my family was into that. That's so nice. I very confidently thought like, you know, I'm a good dancer. Wound up having the opportunity to go to a studio to take lessons. And I was like, I don't really need lessons. I was like, I, I'm a good dancer. <laughs> and then I discovered how not a good dancer I was and that I had some basic natural ability yeah. And wow, there was a lot for me to learn. But the the approach to anything in life, right? So whether it be faith, religion, dance, or new age metaphysics, if we come at it seeking information, raising our awareness, getting knowledge, then we can process that. And it's no different than going to the supermarket and buying ingredients and trying to figure out what you're making with those ingredients. The buffet that you're creating is a buffet of belief or a buffet of knowing or a buffet of questioning. 
So the benefits of learning about the world of energy is about empowerment. It's about enrichment. It's about evolving. The enlightenment, empowerment, evolution component is probably the biggest thing because it helps people to feel connected and not alone and not isolated. That's the benefit of knowing that we have a purpose, knowing that we're able to still evolve, no matter what age you are, like you're still evolving through what you know your path is. Hey there, listener. Do you have something to say? Then you're already a podcaster. You just don't know it yet. Whether you love to shoot the breeze with friends, have an urge to share your passions with the world, or even want to grow your business, you've got something worth saying with a podcast. With Acast, it couldn't be easier to start your own show. Launch, grow, and make money from your podcast across all listening platforms. If you have something to say, you're a podcaster. Head over to Acast.com to get started for free. I read a book about astrology. And um, there was a whole segment on it that was like proving or well, trying to prove with some amount of science, which is impossible. I mean, how do you do it? But it was saying things like the moon is in a certain position when you're born and you are 80% water or something massive like that. So when you're conceived or when you pop out, that moon is going to affect you, which will then affect your personality it went on like this. And I thought, cool, that's kind of cool. Cause that gives the questioning mind something to hold on to and tell me if there's not, but is there anything that's like, here's a little bit of science on it. So I could tell you for me, my background is in healthcare. So that, that's my mentality. Like I, I like the clinical side of healthcare medicine, um, even though I went into the administrative side, but I was invited back in 1999 to be part of an HBO documentary called Life After Life. And they said, you know, you'd be one of, one of the people that we want to interview. And I said, okay, maybe. But the thing that got me was they had a, uh, I want to say Harvard and Yale trained scientist who was going to be studying and testing the mediums that were involved in this documentary. And I was like, for real? And they were like, yeah, for real. I'm like, like a real scientist wants to actually stand up and study what we do. And they went, yeah. And I went, well, I don't know. How do I, how do I not do that? Like, I feel you like have I have to. to. Yeah. yeah, like I kind of feel like I got to do that. Yeah. Um, and who knew what the outcome was going to be? So I participated in four separate iterations of a study. And Dr. Gary Schwartz was one of the lead people in doing this. And he actually wrote a book called The Afterlife Experiments. So his data and his research, you know, double blind studies and the whole thing about science is you have to replicate and extend and try to push the boundaries and, you know, duplicate things in a laboratory environment and controlled environment as best you possibly can with variables and all that. And, and they did that. And the results were fascinating. And, and when we were done, I was like, so like, what do we do with this? Like, you know, do you go public with like, you like proved it? And he went, not exactly. He says, we need more research and, you know, more this and more that. And I remember thinking like, wow, it's never going to be enough. No matter how much we do, it's like, it's never going to be enough. But going back to the astrology, there's so many different approaches that people have to astrology. There's so many different approaches that people have within the astrology community. Um, there are some, some astrologists who do not believe that the planets have an effect on us here in the earth field. Um, and then other people do believe that they do. So it's kind of interesting to see that even within the, the, the tent of people believing in the subject matter, they they're disagreeing. They disagree, right? Yeah. But I think that there's evidence if people choose to look at it, but there's also evidence if people want to argue how it's not possible. So I think that we're, you know, here in the United States, we're coming from a, a very divided perspective when it comes to the culture. Everything. 
Yeah, like ev- <laughs> everything yeah. is divided at the moment. Everything. Even this subject. <laughs> yep, everything is divided, and I think that if somebody wants to kind of make an argument about something, they can, and they could use whatever data that they want to use to prove their point, or vice versa. And I just sit back and I'm like, wow, but like there's facts, and then there's realities, and then you could spin those any way you want, but like. I need a lot of data. Like I need data to, in order to believe something. So when I first got involved with this world, a woman who was probably my mom's age became one of my best friends. And um, I was like 15, 16 and she was in her forties and she um, was trying to get me to believe into astrology. And I was like, not my thing. Like, I don't really like, I don't really have an interest in it. Anyway, she would use explanations. Like she talked about mercury retrograde or she would talk about different things that were happening. And I was like, I don't know. It kind of feels like you want to blame astrology or like, define everything through astrology. I go, you know, how do I know like you're not just like saying that? So she she knew me and what she did was is she said, I want to work with you for um, a couple of weekends and maybe we'll do a workshop or something. Are you open for that? And I go, yeah. She goes, I'm pretty booked out. She goes, how about we do it? And she gave me a date three weeks in the fall because I'm a little OCD and I highlight everything and very organized. So she's like, do your, you know, yellow highlighter in your appointment book. And when we get closer to it, we'll figure out what dates we want to do it. Keep them free. And I was like, okay. Well, she never brought it up again, like ever. So I, I was like, you know, I was a kid, so I didn't want to be like, hey, do you want to work with me? Like, I just like, if she wanted to, she would say something. But here in my appointment book, I now have three weeks that are highlighted, right? So I booked myself like I normally would. And what I noticed during that period of time, my clients were wacky, my, the communication was off, people were coming on the wrong dates and times, right? So only because it was highlighted in yellow did I bring it up to her. And I said, Shelly, I got a crazy question. She's like, what? I go, this is, are you noticing this? And she started to laugh. I go, why are you laughing? And she goes, did you highlight your book like I asked you to? And I went, actually, I did. I said, I thought we were going to be doing something together. She goes, we are. She goes, this was a class. She goes, welcome to Mercury Retrograde. She goes, I knew that if I just told you what it was, you were going to argue with me and you were going to be like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. She goes, now I showed you. You saw for yourself. You came to me and asked me the question, what do I think was going on? You have it in your book, do you not? And I went, I do. She goes, welcome to Mercury Retrograde. She got my attention. She showed me something and validation was important. So she validated for me what something like that is. So my whole approach when it comes to this world, whether you're dealing with an astrologer, a numerologist, a tower reader, a medium, whoever it is that you're working with, don't accept fluffy new agey teachings Look for validation and information that you can correlate to your life that is accurate. And although some of it might seem general for an astrological sign or whatever, that you could see there is a, um, a buildup of validation within what they're saying. That's how I would, I would approach anything when it comes to have an open mind, be objective, hold on to your skepticism. You know, don't just be like, Oh my God, they're psychic. You know, they said do this. No. No, no, no. Listen to what's coming through because what if they're wacky? Mm, Yeah, exactly. They might just be making it up. There is that. So my mum told me a story about a girlfriend of hers when she was younger. She went to see a medium. The story goes that her her friend kept kind of repeating going back to her because she just seemed to get everything right but it was always very dark and quite and quite scary um not beautiful and loving or anything and um she told this lady to go home and shut her door and don't go outside she didn't know what was going to happen but she just said you just mustn't go outside under any circumstance anyway 
that night she went home, she shut her door and she was like, that was a bit weird, but you know, whatever, nothing's going to happen. And her ex-boyfriend had come to her house with her sister with a gun to her sister's face and was screaming at her saying, come outside. Because I guess they'd fallen out, obviously. They weren't, they weren't getting along swimmingly. So he said, come outside. And of course, the, the medium told her not to go outside. But of course, she's going to go outside. Her sister's there. So she went outside and the guy grabbed her and he shot her straight in the face. She lived, thank God, but the bullet went straight through, um, broke her jaw and came out the other side and she lived. But obviously, the medium was right. Right. You know, and I know it was dark, but she was right. And uh, what do you do? Should you listen to darkness or should you just bat it away? Or should you pay some attention and not too much attention? Did that happen because of what the medium said? Or was it going to happen anyway? It's like, oh. So here's what I found. I have found that there are, there are people who are good at picking up energy and information, but not maybe great at the interpretation or delivery of it. And I don't like the dark aspect of it, but I've met those people. I've met those people where their approach to their craft is their fear mongering in a way. So they're going to look for the negatives. By the way, we're programmed as a human to look for negatives. It's why the news is all negative. It's why if there's an accident on a highway, rubbernecking happens because people can't help it. You know, so people are for self, self purposes, preservation. They're, they're prone to look for the negative. So I think it's kind of easy to look for the negative in a reading because if anybody's developing, the first thing that they're going to develop, they're going to see negative things because it's, it's how our brain works. So I think that if the entire reading is that, then it seems like it's somebody who was stunted in their development and they stopped at a certain point. They're limited in what they get. Um, and those are, those are like people that I probably wouldn't go see, even though they might be accurate. Um, because I don't want to surrender that kind of energy to, to that. I mean, what was going to happen to that girl was going to happen anyway. It was going to happen anyway. Now that woman might've helped her to be more aware of what was taking place, but like not for anything, if with those circumstances and what was going on, the woman probably should have called the police, like knowing what was happening sooner rather than later. But I think you have to be, you have to be careful. My uncle married a woman who was a card reader and she was very accurate and very psychic. And she had a lot of what that woman just talked about. She would get generalized, accurate. But it felt generalized, but very specific in its reality. Kind of was like not not always positive. And then a couple of times we did exchange readings. And I want to say after the second or third time that I read for her, she looked at me and she goes, oh, and I go, what? She's like, everything you say is negative. And I was like, what? She's like, every time you read me, everything you read is negative. And she was doing like readings for years. And I was like kind of brand new at it. And I like looked at her and I was like, well, is it accurate though? And she goes, well, yeah. I go, so I'm reading your life, right? And she's like, yeah. I go, so maybe you need to like get a life coach or something. I go, because it doesn't <laughs> sound like it's me. It sounds like it's your it's choices, right? I was <laughs> yeah. like, as long as we're, because at first it was like the way she came at me made me feel like I was doing something wrong. It was your fault. Like her life was not good. I'm like, your choices <laughs> oh, no. are what's creating these circumstances. I go, and you want me to paint you a fairy tale, right? So there's that extreme too, where it's the opposite, where people are looking- For good news. They want you to give them good news. Or permission. Oh, okay. Like there was a woman who came and she had a pretty amazing life. She had a very wealthy husband, didn't have to work. She had three kids that were very successful and whatever. And honest to God, boiling the reading down, all she wanted was to have an affair with her pool boy. <gasps> Oh, no. That is exactly what she wanted. And she was trying to 
in the reading, she was trying to show me how neglected she was by her family, how neglected she was by her husband, how this and how that, and you know, how she's getting attention from this other person. And like, I looked at her and I said very clearly, I go, I'm not the right person for you. And she's like, what? I go, you're trying to use me as like this fulcrum moment to give you permission to have an affair with your pool boy. I go, I'm not the guy. I go, so we're going to end the session right now. I said, and you're going to go on your merry way. And she like looked at me like, what, what, what? And I go, I'm sorry for calling you out. I know you don't like hearing this. I go, I'm known for being very blunt direct. I clearly know you're going to badmouth me. Have a great day. You know, oh it's like, my God. off you go. <laughs> well, good. You have to be honest with people. Maybe that helped her. Maybe Hope that so. helped her to kind of, you know, get knocked out of her silliness and go, actually, I should probably just fix my relationship. Well, my whole thing was with her. I was like, if you want to do that, do it. That's got to be on you. Yeah, it can't be on somebody else. And um, can you give readings over the phone? Sure. I do readings over the phone, over Skype, over Zoom, radio stations, live calls. Yeah. Before we go, can you do a little one for me? Um, I don't like reading people that are interviewing me. Damn. All right, we'll do one another day. I have a question, though. At the very end, I'll ask you because I just want you to guess. It's a 50-50 <laughs> if it's going to be a lot about like, is, if, some, if, it's, if it's about if someone's pregnant, then I could tell you like, if somebody is pregnant or not pregnant, sometimes like, it's like, that's easy. But if you can ask me like, if somebody, you know, is pregnant and like what the sex is, I'm usually wrong. Oh, really? That was what I was going to ask. For real? Yes. Yeah. I was completely wrong with my son. Oh. We were po positive he was going to be a girl. Positive, <laughs> oh, no. positive, positive. Um, and oh, then that's funny. The morning we went for like the sonogram, like the late, the last sonogram where you could find out. Uh. I had had a dream where I was playing with my, what was actually in the dream it was a dog. And then the dog turned into a fat baby. And then the fat baby <laughs> had, had a diaper change. And I went to go change her diaper. And it wasn't a her. And I woke up and I said to my wife, I was like, Sandra, Sandra. She's like, what? I go, we're having a boy. And she was like, no, we're not. And I was like, oh. no, we're having a boy. I go, I just dreamt it. We're having a boy. She's like, you said it was a girl. I go, I was wrong. I was wrong. It, it's going to be a boy. And she's like, well, my mom's never wrong. She goes, and she said it's going to be a girl. I was yeah. like, okay. And then that day during the sonogram, the technician said, do you yeah, want to know? Yeah. And she goes, yeah. She's like, having a boy. Oh, and my goodness. My, my wife's expression was like. <laughs> she's like, you're supposed to know this stuff. That's so yeah, it's not my It's not my strong suit. No. <laughs> that and missing objects. No good. No. no bueno. Oh, really? No. You lose things a lot. No. That's so no funny. bueno. I can't imagine it. Oh, gosh. ACAST recommends LGBTQ plus creators who are making an impact this month and beyond. Tune in for your new favorite show. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like Below Deck, Love is Blind, and TLC's big messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. Okay, please tell me y'all are watching this new season of 90 Day with Bilal, Emily, Mohammed. It's the messy season yet. And you know you need your gay besties to talk about all the drama and cringe jam-packed into every episode. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you get your podcast. Reality Gaze. Let's blow. Acast recommends. But yet you can talk to people that have passed. Question. So if someone's murdered, uh -huh. do they tell you? Do they say, matey boy murdered me, his name's Bob, and 
it happened around the corner, la la la. Do they tell you stuff like that? So many years ago, I got pulled into a case. It was a, I, I read for a woman and her niece was missing. So I got information and then she said, can I come see you privately? And I was like, sure. I said, I don't know if I can help you anymore. So I did the reading for her and I got all this information about where she would be found, described the apartment complex that she was in, the kind of car that the, the, the person who did it drove, like very specific information, which by the way, all pointed to her boyfriend, all of it, everything I said, literally pointed to the boyfriend. And then I said to her, and I remember this clear as well, I go, she tell me Michael. She wants me to tell you Michael. And the woman that I was reading said, oh my God, that's my son, Michael. He's there with her and I know that she's taking, taking care of her and blah, 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 blah. And I remember, I literally remember this moment like it happened yesterday where I sat there going, like, I don't know if that's it. So it turns out that her neighbor, Michael, killed her. Um, same complex, same car, same build as the boyfriend. And something, something happened to me with that experience where I don't want the responsibility. Like, I didn't like the way it made me feel. No, because it's dark. It, it, not only was it dark, though, I, it pointed the finger at somebody that wasn't, that wasn't guilty. Yeah. And I didn't oh. like that feeling. Didn't like it at all. I'm not a big finger pointing person. Like, I don't really like that. Also, some people that die are dickheads. So you've kind of got to take that into account too. Not everyone that's dead. I know that sounds awful, but not everyone that's dead is a kind, honest person. <laughs> you know, we all die. <laughs> so some of some of those spirits might be lying to you as well. Do you ever consider that? Not when they come through. So uh. like before they before they pass, yeah. But when people cross over, I think they got to go through the wash a little bit. You do. That's a nice thought too. Yeah. And plus I have a team of energies that are like, and we all have them. You have them. Rich has them. Like we all have energies that work with us. Think about them as your producers and spirit. So I don't think that that security detail would let energies come through in a not positive way. Right. You wouldn't accept it into your, mm -mm. Into your space. Kind of like we mm -mm. try not to accept lies into our space and in the living. Correct. That really is kind of amazing. So when did you have that first experience? Do you have a memory of like when it began and was it weird? So I have to break that up into two things. So the, the, the first part is like, when do I remember the information kind of coming through? I was doing readings. I had always gotten names and then all of a sudden the names changed. They were like dead people. Like every reading I'd be like, who's Joe? Oh, that's my grandfather, but he's dead. You know, who's Mike? Oh, that's my brother, but he's dead. I'm thinking like, why am I getting these dead people names? So not knowing what was happening, I said, well, I'm going to get factual things about your past in order for you to pay attention to what's coming up in the future. And then all of a sudden, it kind of felt like somebody was like pulling on me. Like they were like yanking on me like, hey, 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 say this. Hey, say this. And oh, then it became like physically you're feeling this. Well, imagine like you see how you're on a headset and it has a cord. Yeah. Okay. Now imagine you had like a five-year-old that wanted your attention and then comes over and starts yanking on the cord like, hey, hey. Hey, 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 like that. It was a distracted energy. So here I am trying to focus on like their life. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm being pulled over here. So it became very, very clearly different. The readings felt different. So it, I want to say it was about 1987 where that became obvious, where I needed to kind of pay attention to, you know, pay attention to that. So I started doing this in 1985 and 1987 is kind of when that really started to shift a little bit. But once I started like, having these memories as a kid, I used to dream of what I called my little old man friend. And I would say, mom, I, I jumped to my little old man friend. And she'd go, oh, and what'd he say? And then my little old man friend would give me information about my family, 
He would talk about my family's past, things that happened like decades before I was born. He would talk about what was coming up around the family. And then her and my grandmother would say, hey, have you heard from your little old man friend? And I would say, no, not in a while. And then I came out of the shower and I was towel drying my hair. And my grandmother's sitting at the dining room table watching her stories or soaps. And um, I pulled the towel down and there was a gentleman sitting at the dining room table with her. And he kind of like, like leaned over his left shoulder to look at me and he smiled. And it startled me because I didn't know who he was. And my grandmother kind of like looked up. She's like, what? And I went, there was a man there. And she looked at the chair and she went, describe him. And I was like, he kind of looked like Uncle Jakey, my uncle, her oldest son. I go, but he had more hair and he had a space between his teeth. And she goes, ah, it's your grandfather. That's his chair. He's watching my stories. And she went back to the stories like that. That was, that was the experience. So normal, like no biggie, right? But in that moment, I recognized that that little old man friend looked like that man. So I said to my mom, I go, um, you know, my little old man friend, she's like, yeah, I go, could that be your dad? And she looked at me and she smiled and she went, yeah. She's like, we've, we've all known for a while that it's, it's grandpa. She's like, but we didn't want to tell you. We didn't want to scare you. She's like, and it was kind of cool that he was like letting us know that he was around through you. And my brain went, <laughs> why didn't you tell me? <laughs> what else are you not telling me? That's yeah. what that's, that's a, like, what else don't I know? Right. Oh, but so, it's so sweet. They must've loved that he was with you, that he'd come to comfort you. Oh, that's yep. so nice. And then right before, and I haven't told this story publicly, I, maybe ever, but right before I started developing and I had the reading that put me on my path, he came to me for one last time and he didn't really come back after that. And in that experience, he said to me, if I'm going to do this for you, then you need to do something for me. And I was like, okay. He goes, I need you to pour me a glass of milk. So in my dream, I went downstairs and I poured a glass of milk, um, left it on the dining room table ironically in front of the seat that we just talked about. And then I went to the, um, to the front door for some reason. I tried to get out of the house, but the chain was on and it kind of like startled me a little bit. I woke up, forgot the dream, went back to bed. The next morning I woke up. Now I lived upstairs with my mom. Downstairs was my aunt, her husband and son and my grandmother. So my grandmother goes, um, did you leave a glass of milk out last night? And I went, no. And she goes, you didn't pour a glass of milk and leave it on the table? I went, no. And then she goes, okay. She left it alone. My aunt comes out and she goes, uh, what's up with the milk? I was like, I don't know. Grandma just asked me about the milk too. I go, what do you mean what's up with the milk? She's like, well, there was a big glass of milk that was left out last night. She's like, you drink milk? And I was like, why am I getting blamed for doing something with milk? And then all of a sudden, I had the flash of doing it. And I went, wait, I did do it. Oh my God, I did do it. They were like, why didn't you drink it? And I was like, I forgot. And that's why I, I didn't want to be like, I, I poured it for grandpa because it would have been like, you know, um, we need to commit him. <laughs> yeah, then I thought you were right. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, we, we need to get him help. Um, and I remember like walked upstairs and I thought, well, that was really odd. And right after that is when my whole trajectory shifted, like, and I started developing. So I kind of felt like my grandfather was part of it, even though I didn't know him. I never met him in life. I didn't know anything about him. Like I didn't know the guy. Did he have a thing with milk? No, not, not really. No, and Interesting. I think it was more the exchange of me doing something. Doing to be something honest. for him. Yeah. You know, like I had to acknowledge there was an energetic exchange. Yeah. Do you sleepwalk? No. Just that one time. Just that one time. And what's really weird is that there was a dog gate at the bottom. So I had to actually climb over it. Like I had to climb over the gate both ways, going down and up to do it. 
another psychic said to me, it's like you were in trance. Yeah, it sounds like it. Does it shock you still or is it just normal now? It's normal, but it's more of a wow. Like, like there are moments where I, I'm just kind of like, I feel so blessed and I feel like I'm in awe because like I said, you know, I'm just a phone. So I feel like I get a chance to bear witness to, to the connections and, you know, to be able to see the lights go on in someone's eyes when they've been living in a dark spot, priceless, absolutely priceless. I was actually going to ask you if you could live your life again, would you choose it? But I think I have my answer now. I would. It's, it sounds like it's a lot to deal with as well. It must be tiring some days. I mean, can you have a day when you can just go, do you know what? Shh, shh, like quiet the voices in my mind. I need to rest. Yeah, you have to. And so what I've learned is that I am only going to open up when I have to read. And then when I power down, I power down. Like, so like, it's just, I live a very normal life. It's almost boring. The more I learned about this whole thing, I thought, gosh, what if you couldn't power down? Be tired. All the time and drained. Yeah. Also, I suppose you're dealing with people who are going through grief often. In many different ways. And sometimes decades worth. Sometimes the grief of a relationship that's fallen apart. Sometimes it's residual trauma from loss that they didn't realize stemmed from that. And, you know, grief is an amazing energy. It's an emotion that's so patient. It just sits quietly. And even when you think you're done with it, like I, I lost my mom when I was 19 and I spent most of my adult life, you know, teaching about it. And then long story short, I went to a holistic doctor and this holistic doctor works with an energetic type of technician who like reads your energy through your blood. And it's kind of really, really cool. It's almost like having a reading. And she asked me if I was having lung issues and other, other things. And I was like, no, I'm fine. And then she said, well, did you ever have like cervical disc disease? And when she said that, I stopped and I went, whoa. I go, I didn't. I go, but my mom had surgical disc disease. That's what they diagnosed her with, misdiagnosed her with, when she had terminal lung cancer. And she looked at me and said, well, you're carrying your mom's loss in your energy on a cellular level. She goes, you need to work on that. Even me, after all these years, I had to go back and revisit my mom's passing, not as a child, as a parent. And my mom died at 48, and I was like 45 when this was happening. So we always have to do the work on what our evolution is. What is, what is our lesson? If you had any advice for people listening to help them feel happier or more comforted, you know, in this realm, what would the advice be? I think the first thing I would say where we are today um, in 2021 is take a deep breath and know that it's going to be okay. It's going to take time. Things are going to shift. It's going to be okay. And then I would want people to explore what their fears are. And then I would want them to write them all down and name them. And then I want people to know that habit, H-A-B-I-T, does not equate to happy. And I think a lot of people don't realize that habit and happy are not the same. And if you say to the universe that they are, they both start with H-A, and I feel like it's a ha-ha on us. And then the last thing I would say is to recognize that you're not alone, whether it be your spirit guides and spirit that are helping to teach you from spirit. And if you think I'm crazy saying this, trust me, they're there. And know that your loved ones and friends are also with you, so you're not alone. But we are here in this classroom, Earth, to learn lessons. And I think the more that we can understand what those lessons are or try to figure them out, then I think the better we pass our, our tests. 